This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast Waterfall Wednesday edition with your hosts Nick Johnson and Dale Luganville. Wow, that's, that's uh, you've been working <laughs> on your hype man skills. <laughs> Well, yeah, man. How's the season been going down in uh, in the United States? Uh, we've hit a little bit of a lull, um, but I think that's about to change. It's yeah, been, what's the weather like? Well, the last, like, four days, maybe even five, has been, like, super nice. Warm, sunny, not much going on, south winds, but today it's rainy. Winds finally switched around. Well, I think they're more west than anything, but looking like they're going to kind of chill out the winds and then just stay like northwesterly like this weekend there's like it's supposed to according to windy anyways there's not supposed to be much wind what little wind we have it's coming out of the northwest so i think you're about to uh get a push down there if i had to guess because starting yesterday there was like a 20 mile an hour northwest wind here and right now it's pushing at like 25 we've seen a lot of migrators kind of coming and going areas building and draining and building and draining inconsistency in the feeds which means probably birds that we're feeding are gone and new birds that are starting to feed are going somewhere else we've seen a lot of that um happening up here in saskatchewan yeah that's kind of my gut instinct too i think it's gonna i, I mean, think we're gonna pick up some birds i don't is, know if it's gonna be any like one day event kind of a thing but it's just because the next like four days look prime for just 
birds to move. Like tomorrow's thing's supposed to be the windiest day of the next four. Okay. And I mean, it is, it is the season. I mean, it's October 12th right now. It's, uh, it's, it's time. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think we're going to see a big influx of divers this weekend too. If people are out there. Have you guys seen any, seen any influx of divers quite yet? Or, I mean, now is about the time when it really starts to pick up for those guys. Yeah, mid-October. So last, what was it, last Thursday, I was in northern Minnesota, and uh, there was a lot of ringers around. It was mostly ringers, and a lot of them were, like, uh, clips drake. You know, I shot, I think I shot five drakes and one hen, and the drakes were just Mm -hmm. terrible looking. There was hardly any white on them whatsoever. So I think, I don't know, I feel like those are, like, almost local birds. I mean, I know they're not local because they're, they're all grouped up, and that lake never has that many locals on it, but I don't think they're long-distance migrants. I could be wrong, but this is the time. Like, this weekend, um, I think, is when we pick up a lot of divers. Although I just saw a post somebody shot some cans in southern Minnesota recently, so there's some around for sure. Nice. What do you have up? What are your duck numbers like up there? Up here. Good. Since uh, August 28th, they've been good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> good. Uh, it's yeah. We're in the heart of the flyway in Saskatchewan, dude. It's so interesting up here, uh, being here and scouting uh, once or twice a day for the last month and a half or six weeks. Um, just watching areas build and drain and different species come and go or different flocks or different areas. Like uh, there's one area where I kind of have a, a, a regular beat now, like where I kind of scout every day. It's, um, it's, it's interesting watching the birds just shift around the landscape as migrants come and go. Um, most of our big geese have left now uh, and we're shooting mostly all little geese. That's been that way since about, Oh, I'd say September, September 18th, September 20th in there. We really just the ratios of big geese to little geese just completely reversed. You know, we're from like 90% big geese to 90% little geese. What's your ratio from darks to lights? Well, we're not getting a ton of like huge snow feeds up here to like where we send groups on them every day. We usually have like two snow feeds that we hunt every day. Um, Yesterday... Uh, was a good day for snow goose hunting the guys got um in like a 45 minute window they shot like about 100 oh man that's chaos that's fun <laughs> yeah and in that in that wind too like that 20 mile an hour wind um but i mean it's still it's still hunting up here you're still um subject to the whims of the weather and the um assholeness of the birds on occasion <laughs> Like today, today I ran a hunt and uh, the first few groups kind of buzzed off us and I'm like, all right, we're fucked, right? <laughs> but it's also just a law of percentages where if you get enough flocks, you know, if one out of five flocks does it and you get 30 flocks, that means you're going to get six good flocks in, you know? Right. And then you're going to make a decent little pile off of those six flocks, depending on how good your shooters are. 
that is a definite uh, factor in <laughs> birds in hand from my uh, guiding expertise. Yeah. The <laughs> other day we, um, <laughs> I was scouting this field and there was ducks in it and geese in it. And it just kept flip-flopping like they were in that field that we had permission on. And then they were in the field north of it. And then they were in the field south of it. And then they're in the field east of it. And then they're in the field that we have permission on. And then that night, they're not. I'm watching it for days, you know. And the night before, I was like, we watched it that morning. And I said, tomorrow morning, let's do it. And I go out there that night, and there's zero in it. And I was like, son of a bitch. Huh. I was just (laughs) going to ask you if you started to pick up any sort of patterns. Like, is is it wind direction? Like, does it, you know, does that change where they feed? Um, I suppose it's kind of hard if you're getting an, if, you know, like I said, some they're draining and you're getting new birds, like constantly you're, you're resetting Especially the board every the, day. Yeah. Like I kind of think about it. Like you say, like resetting the board. That's exactly like what I think about. Like you just get used to the game board, like the monopoly board and where all the pieces are and where all the hotels are, you know, and all the houses. And then you get a full moon and it's just like you, you go to bed one night, you know where all the pieces are. You wake up the next day and that whole board just got shaken up. And all the pieces are laying out everywhere, you know, now you got to kind of <laughs> recollect. Now you got to recollect what you're what you're seeing and how to pattern these birds. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's challenging. What's the biggest factor that you that you've seen, like what causes a big bird movement up there oh geez there's so i think there's so many different factors in play at one time you know not only just wind direction weather uh the migration events that are constantly occurring um but you're really just trying to find something with a little bit of consistency and then going out there the next day and hoping they come back like that field that we're going to hunt the next day I watched it that morning or a different scout watched it that morning. Then I went out there that night and there was zero. The next day we hunted it. We shot 85. Jeez. So Um, not bad, not bad out of a field with no birds in it the night before. Yeah. Not bad at all. So I was kind of like, you know, they keep of a question I was going to ask. Um, Are like, are there still some standing crops or crops coming out? Are you getting, you know what I mean? Is there any of that going on or are they pretty much harvested up there? Uh, basically it's all harvested now. Okay. I'd say since about like September 20th or so, it's all been harvested. So that's not really a factor. Um, I already forgot what I was going to, my second part was, oh, because they move around so much. Do you feel like, um, on the X and air quotes, is that an important thing? It is up here. Okay. It is. And we're hunting more little geese uh more little geese not really running a ton of traffic like where you are with in minnesota where i'm more used to it like where big geese running traffic pretty easy not like down here not only are you fighting are they going to come back to the same field but it's an even bigger problem is are they going to take the same flight line right um other than that like the landscape offers a lot of different hunting opportunities. Obviously we got like combos for ducks and darks. We've got dark fields only like specks or just little geese. There's some fields, um, you know, that have, they got a couple hundred big geese in it that could offer a really good shoot. 
And then we got fields that were running with just snow geese. And then we got little staging ponds like that mallards and pintails will go out to. And uh, I'm going to go help uh, Jack set up tonight. He, we're going to hunt a staging pond that he's got. And then we got two other groups that are going out for snow geese. What are you putting out for spreads? Uh, my go-to spread has been um, each trailer's got 15 dozen full bodies in it. And that's what I've been running quite a bit is 15 dozen full bodies. It's working. It's working okay. Darks? Um, For darks. Yep, for dark geese. And uh, for white geese, we're either using socks or maybe a couple hundred full bodies. They got some Dave Smith full bodies up here for uh, white geese. Nice. And so uh, one uh, one Fox Pro e-collar for the, for the whites. For when you're running Just a white like, spread. Yep. Because they'll come to the sound, so they don't spread the sound out too far. Just um, one—it's two speakers on one box, right? That are pretty close to one another. Yeah, you know, I played around with that a little bit um, the last few years during the spring, and I used to run them like really wide, thinking I want this to sound the most realistic. You know, sound coming from all over, and it really—and then I started bringing it in and started having way more success as far as getting birds where you want them because they really do go go towards that sound so if you spread your sound yeah, out so too far you're kind of doing yourself a disservice and it's kind of interesting too because you can run the snow sound even when you're hunting ducks and darks right so there's one thing that we found is um obviously the snow tracks only have snow geese on it but the lessers the specs kind of like it the lessers uh, like the smaller cackling Canada's, they kind of don't hmm. like that sound. Like if they land and they keep hearing it, they'll kind of bounce off it. Um, one thing we've been having a lot of good luck with decoy wise up here is um, dive bombs got some fully flocked silhouettes that we've been doing pretty good with. White silhouettes? No, no, oh, no, darks. dark okay. silhouettes. Okay. Yep, that's for that's for dark geese. Um, and one thing one theory that's been going around in our guide shack that's uh gaining a lot of traction is that we are seeing geese bounce off of full bodies when i say bounce i mean kind of just flare up and leave with a west wind in the morning when they're coming in with the sun at their back we don't know if they're catching glare off the full bodies hmm. but a couple of the guys now are a couple of the guys are preparing or preferring to run the fully flocked silhouettes and it's not just that they're silhouettes it's that they're fully flocked you know so sure. we don't have we don't have any fully flocked full bodies but it, i think that bouncing issue is in my personal opinion if it's true which it might not be but let's assume it is if it's true i think a lot of that problem results from that eva plastic that all the decoy companies use now i've never really been a fan of the way that kind of looks and the way it kind of has an oily glare to it, you know? Sure. And, I mean, basically all of your big decoy companies are using that DOA. And, I mean, it's it's kind of a little softer. It's cheap as fuck is why they use it. Um, it's a cheap plastic. It's easy to manufacture. The paint sticks to it pretty good. But it's just kind of got that oily sheen to it. So one thing that's been going around the guide check, you know, if you got like a south wind or an east wind even like a northeast wind, you're going to be okay because the geese are kind of looking into the sun or not having the sun directly at their back as they approach the spread. 
But with that west wind, which is what we primarily get, a lot of guys are saying, like, I don't want to run. Not a lot of guys, like, you know, a couple of us are saying, I don't want to run the full bodies. I want to run fully flock silhouettes on a day like today. And, Mm. you know, whether that gets in your head or whether if it's true, um, I don't know. It's not like if it's a really sunny day, you're thinking. Does anybody up there have a, a drone? Yes, uh, we do have, and the dream job was just up here filming, like filming our spreads. And even if, like, if it's something we could notice, like I said, it's 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 not a for sure thing. I mean, we're also we're using uh, mass manufactured decoys, like Dakota decoys, which when you're using something that's not a Dave Smith decoy, you're always leaving room for, like, are these decoys not realistic looking enough, like? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the post, the postures aren't super realistic. And whenever you're using silhouettes, you're also leaving yourself room. Like are geese really a quarter inch thick? No, they're not. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. where even the guys, like if those guys are using fully flock silhouettes, they're still having problems once geese land, you know, like once geese land, say you get the three or four cherry birds, those suckers that land in the spread, they're not sitting there long before they go shit <laughs> yeah oh it was and, at this point and, they knew they'd fucked up right so like in terms of holding cherry birds as the rest of the flock approaches silhouettes are still not doing the job but if you're talking about like getting the flock at that 25 yards about to land before they have the moment they realize they fucked up and you can say kill them like some of the guys are running fully flocked and it's not that they're silhouettes. They're just saying if it was fully flocked, full bodies, we'd run those, but we don't have them. I don't sure. know if that's true. It'd be interesting. But that's the, why I brought up the, the drone. It'd be interesting, like, if, I mean, it's how, you don't really want to fly the thing around. Birds are incoming, but right. you know, maybe set up a couple, you know, a dozen in a field you're not going to hunt or something. If there's a guide or helper out that's not actually hunting that morning and just kind of come in like a goose would come in and see. If, you know, fly it around different angles and see if you're getting that morning, early morning sheen off of it. Just be out of curiosity. Right. And one thing I've, I've done, like, with silhouettes, because all corrugated plastic silhouettes have a fucking glare to them. You know, dive bomb, big owls, tangle freeze, fucking lucky ducks. They all do, right? It's right. a corrugated plastic silhouette. One thing I've done, if you're going to use those in sun, that um, that has been helpful is... Hey, instead of running 30 dozen, how about we run five, five dozen, you know, like if you reduce your numbers, you're going to reduce that glitter ball effect of your decoy spread. I mean, some of them are still going to glare, but you at least, you know, if only, you know, 10% of your decoys glare, if you're running 300, um, that's 30 compared to if you're running a hundred, that's three. And maybe, and maybe be aware of, you know, if you're maybe you don't put some perfectly broadside to the east to the east sun to the rising sun you know maybe just have them yeah. at a slight angle might actually have a if, big impact if that's even the right. issue exactly right? yeah i'm just spitballing here yeah yeah and another thing about up here that's tough is um we're hunting all basically like wheat field barley field and pea fields that are unplowed which is good but there is no fucking hiding out there. I mean, absolutely no fucking hiding whatsoever. You got basically in the early, like in the very first couple weeks of the season, we did what we call big bush, 
which is you set up the A-frames. We got a lot of the older clientele are showing up in the early part of September when it's nice and warm. And uh, you're cutting down a bunch of branches and just making a giant branch brush pile in the middle of the field, you know, and then shooting out of it. Once the birds start saying, uh, fuck that, then you got two choices, basically. You got edges and you got little like uh, dried up slough beds sometimes in the middle of a field. Um, we're not really doing any hides amongst decoys um, or like under white socks, like layouts under white socks. It's, it's just it's another challenging element to hunting up here is when you have those perfectly uniform wheat fields and perfectly uniform pea fields, you're, you're, uh, you can do a grass hide out there, but once you do a grass hide, you're bouncing down to a law of percentages, you know, hopefully one out of five, hopefully one out of five flocks doesn't mind it type of thing. Right. Yeah. So switching to ducks, I noticed, uh, this year, uh, I guess I shouldn't say, and this is not a for sure thing, but I started thinking about, you know, usually if there's teal around, I don't really put too much. I'm like, oh, I'll just throw the honkers and the mallards and teal will come into it. And then I've been kind of noticing that they don't. So it's like I've always kind of brushed off the idea of buying teal decoys because they're so small. You're not getting much visibility. But lately I've been thinking it doesn't really make sense because we know birds have really good eyesight. And they're obviously gregarious in nature. They flock to their own kind. So they're probably actually pretty good at telling what's a teal and what's not a teal. You know what I mean? So I think it probably does play a factor as far as, um, and maybe not, maybe not even so much a size thing, but definitely a color, color scheme or body shape. Body posture is probably big, I would think. And I don't think a lot of decoy manufacturers are really, you know, getting into the fine minutia of teal body posture, but... Um, cause I even saw some hesitancy, you know, and we like to think that divers are dumb, but when I had, when I was hunting, you know, I shot a limit, sure. But it was, you know, the, it was fine. It seemed for like singles and doubles kind of a thing, like smaller numbers. But when the bigger flocks would come back around, they were just a lot more hesitant to kind of commit to my honkers and mallards, you know, and I just like, Have you- I wonder if I had ring or actual ring neck decoys out, if that would make a difference. I think the number one thing you can do to combat that is get yourself 400 coot decoys. 100%. 100%. I've been saying that for decades. That the, the very best duck spread of any kind you could have would be literally 600 coots. Like, and I, there's some species that are very attracted to coots, one of which is a widgeon. Have you, have you ever heard this before? Uh-uh. Widgeons are super attracted to coot rafts hmm. because widgeons love the food that coots eat, but ah. they can't dive. They can't dive. So what they do is they wait for coots to pop up and they steal it. Dirty bastards. That's interesting. Yeah, widgeons wig- are little food stealers from the coots. So widgeons will bomb into coot rafts. Hmm. I don't know how many other species are doing that. And I'm just parroting something I've heard from somebody else. Well, it's on the internet. Maybe it's so not. It's- Hundred percent facts. Hundred percent facts. Sounds cool though, right? Sounds great. I'm buying it. I'm totally buying it. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't know about ducks, but I know, you know, I've watched an eagle sit there and wait upstream while it, while these ospreys just fail 
time and time again. And then the moment they actually get a fish, the eagle hops off his branch, flies down the river, harasses that osprey till he drops the fish, grabs the fish, and goes back to his perch and eats, doing zero work. So I know, like, bird theft is a, definitely a behavior. I don't know how yes, across it species is. it is, but that that is that is not a far stretch to, to say that widgeons have learned that, you know, there's a easy meal when there's coots about. Yeah, and who knows, maybe it's some other species as well. I think anybody that's hunted ducks on water when there's a big raft of coots around has had that shared frustration that, you know, you got your three, four, five, maybe even six dozen decoys out, and every bird is just beelining straight to that giant raft of coots. Like, you can't compete with that. Have you ever seen the guys that do, like, plastic jugs painted black, and they'll do, like, several thousand of them like in their little duck hole around their river spots or maybe down south like on uh what's that lake in louisiana i can't think of its name right now but that would be a fun fucking hunt <laughs> it'd be you interesting know, like, exactly if you like just doing different shit like i've always thought that would be fun even if we didn't really do that well just to say like yeah we hunted over this guy's permanent spread he's got like 2500 black milk jugs out there it's cool yeah you should get like some of those <laughs> It would. I don't know how you'd, you'd need a like a a pretty good sized fleet of those like um those mallard uh, the motorized mallard decoys that like spit the water out or whatever or the splashers like yes paint yes. those paint those black paint those all like a coot have about a hundred of those mixed in or maybe not a hundred maybe twenty five of those mixed in with like two hundred coot decoys because when you watch a, a a coot raft there's a shit ton of splashing going on. Those things are never just sitting there. No, they do a lot of diving, I yeah, guess. I mean, diving. are we really fucking talking about how to make a giant coot spread more realistic right now, though? We are, because I, I, <laughs> I think you'd pull in a lot of birds. You know, especially if you're on a, like a, a heavily hunted, you know, heavily pressured public spot wait, or something. Wait, wait. Like, are we talking about how to make 2,000 black milk jugs more realistic right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fully flocked. Get a flocking kit when I mean, your milk jugs. You don't want that glare. After, after we just got done talking about how ducks have such good eyesight, and you want to get more <laughs> species of ducks. All of a sudden, the conversation just turns on a dime, and we're talking about black milk jugs, but then reeling it back with some splashers. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this I'm not. All I'm not so on board. Place. I'm not so on board with the black jugs. I would rather go with actual right, like coot decoys. Then we're. We're also talking about how geese are bouncing off EVA plastic decoys in the sunshine, but fully flocked silhouettes are okay. Like, how can anybody take this podcast fucking seriously at this point? <laughs> when, when did they ever start? <laughs> Dude, you know what we need? You know what we really honestly need is, like, we need to do, like, what the rest of the podcast do. Just get some solid sponsors and then tell everybody that there's the products that worked and nothing else. 100%. And just keep – have a little con- – have a little consistency in our messaging. <laughs> I think we are consistent. We're consistent in our inconsistency. That's true. Which is, map. I mean, at the heart of it, at the, I mean, if people have been hunting waterfalls for a very, very, very long fucking time, and if there was a perfect way to do it every single time in every single weather condition, then there, that this wouldn't be a. We would just be killing birds and harvesting them and eating them. It's not hunting them anymore, right? Yeah, if it was chemistry, right? You're like. If it was that easy where it was just making a cake, so you, you look at the forecast, yeah. oh, the temperature is this, the wind is this from this direction, there's this amount of sunlight, 
this is what we need. Just put out eighteen of these, six of those, You're right. and like, and yep. and we're guaranteed to limit out. Like this works every single time. It's like that is just not hunting. I mean, it's just, and I there's... think what that leads to is just like a conversation like this that has so many generalizations of things that could possibly work, but directly contradict what we just said thirty seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, ca- I catch myself doing that all the time talking about waterfall just like this should work and then like a minute later that definitely doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> well i don't think we're like uh, so when we switched to coots though it wasn't quite the same that birds do have really good eyesight but we expanded on the coot theory because we were mentioning how other ducks like coots so it's like well then instead of trying to instead of trying to have the perfect widgeon spread just go with the coot yeah. spread and get the widgeons instead you know i think what you should do is add more honker decoys to your spread i mean i'd be okay how many are you that. running um i'm trying to think of how many i think i have about four dozen it honkers to... all right i was gonna say it needs to be 40 and you beat me so try try 400 Oh my god! I'm gonna need a private pond for that because I'm not setting that out every morning. V boards. I hate V boards. Why? Because they just look dumb. Because they're wind sails. They're they're too symmetrical. I I I've watched you. I've watched your Snapchats. I've seen you kill birds over V boards. I I have zero, um, doubt that they work. It's me personally in the blind looking at them. It's gonna bug me the entire time. It's the same reason I don't like to hunt over Bigfoots. I hate looking at those big cartoon-looking decoys. You know what Bigfoots don't have? That EVA plastic shine to them. Yeah, well, again, I don't dispute their efficacy. I see a lot of people kill a lot of geese over Bigfoots. It, for me, just comes down to my personal enjoyment, my, my personal experience of the hunt. If I'm sitting in a blind and I'm staring at those decoys that I just don't like the way they look, then it affects my happiness. So I choose not to hunt over Bigfoots. Okay, I'm going to give Dakota decoys a compliment before I trash them a little bit, okay? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so we are running like a Dakota Signature Series is our 15 dozen full bodies in every um, spread. And this isn't just a trash on Dakota decoys. Dakota decoys, they're doing really good. We have no welds breaking on any of the ring bases. We have no cones breaking. They're holding up really good. Everything's going fine, except for that potential, maybe EVA plastic that all fucking decoys have anyway. But the ring base system, right? One thing I noticed today, we have like a 22 mile an hour wind when we're setting up. And I tell my helper, I'm like, on a wind, I usually don't give a fuck if decoys are facing into the wind, right? But when it's 22 miles an hour, I'm like, we should probably pay a little attention and face them into the wind. I get that question a lot. Like, people are like, do you face all your decoys into the wind? Like, no. But when it's 22 miles an hour, probably, right? Yeah, you almost kind of have to. Or they just blow over. Right. But the motion system on a ring base makes it so you can't face any into the wind when it's 22 miles an hour. True. They just turn, they just turn broadside. So I'm like... I'm setting them up, and I tell my guy, like, all right, let's try to face them all into the wind. I set a dozen up. I'm like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're not doing that. Yeah. I guess we're not facing. I guess we're not facing decoys into the wind, which is not a trash on Dakota decoys. Anything that has a ring-based system with a bungee strap, 
it's going to turn broadside. Yeah, the, I wind. mean, high winds are just a pain in the butt, no matter how you, no matter how you. Yeah, cut if you, it. I mean, if you're using Bigfoots, they're going to fucking tip over. Outside of socks, um, but then you get too much wind on a sock, and they're terrible. That death flap yeah, going. That 22 mile an hour wind just it makes ch- hunting real challenging. The birds yeah. are inspecting your spreads, and then they're getting out quick. You could just go with shells at that point. I mean, you could, yeah. You could face even like into the silu- wind. even like silhouettes, like even like dive bombs and big owls and like the corrugated plastic silhouettes in high winds, you can sink those fuckers down to the ground, which you should. But man, like once those little stakes start carving a path yep. into the dirt, they like over the course of the morning they start wiggling more and more and right. more and more, and then they'll start tipping over. Like those little tiny wire stakes are really good at cutting through the dirt when that wind is just blowing on them. And they're just like, they just wiggle. They start out wiggling a little bit and then they're wiggling more. And a couple hours into the hunt, man, those fucking things are just waving at the geese. Yeah. And I just don't know if there's a, a an answer outside of running out there and re-sticking them all the time. And who's going to, who the hell's going to do that? Right. Use less decoys, except the fact that your hunt's not going to be as good as you hoped it would be. I mean, it's just, it's just weather conditions. We're all just a, we're all a slave, not a slave. What's the word? We're, uh, um, but there's nothing we can do about it. You know, yeah. like, yeah, it just, it's, yeah, you just, when it gets a certain level of wind, it's, there's not, it's just going to be a tough hunt. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah. You're at the mercy Anyways. of mother nature at that point. I see yep. you shot another uh another couple hybrids. We're at three hybrids for the season. That's sweet. We got two hybrid geese and one hybrid uh mallard pintail cross. Oh, it's, oh, those are so cool. They are very cool. And it's pretty too, even for this early in the air. You know, it's crazy too, like just talking about how pretty it was. Like, um, we're shooting all brown ducks on September one, right? Like they all look like hen mallards. All of them. I right. mean, like nothing to them. And then, like, you'll get one day where you're like, hey, look at this one. It's pretty green. A week later, huh. bam. Yeah. They're green. It's crazy how fast they change. Hmm. Hmm. Can't believe you're up there killing all them hens. You know, dead duck doesn't lay eggs, Nick. No, it doesn't. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not killing a goddamn thing. I haven't fired my gun since I got here. I can't believe they don't I have didn't... hen restrictions up there. I don't even have a, I don't even have a gun with me. Really? No, I did not bring a gun to Canada. Hmm. The guy at the border was like, "So you're gonna be here for two months?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "And you didn't bring a gun?" I was like, <laughs> yeah, "No." I'm oh, sure right. I could find one to use if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's rental guns here at the lodge, so I could use a rental gun. I just, right. uh, I didn't want to pay the thirty bucks, and why have to worry about where it is or whatever? Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't, and I haven't hunted. I mean, we're six weeks de- deep, and I have not hunted once. How much longer you got up there? Um, our last day of clients is October twenty seventh. All right, so you got a couple weeks. It's coming quick. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's going really quick. I feel like I really fell into the routine. It's like wake up, hunt, clean birds, nap, wake up, scout, dinner, sleep, repeat. Sounds like a pretty nice life. Yeah, uh, I miss the old, I miss the wife and my dog. I suppose when uh, Mihoff, 
when um Jack Mihawk, yeah. <laughs> the wife just gave him a haircut yesterday. He looks so fucking cute. Um, Can I tell you about the first the first couple pictures I got from home that the wife sent me like in early September was him puking and him ripping up a magazine. Oh, it was fucking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> just can't wait to get guy. back to that uh yeah. so when you get back are you starting the new uh the new nick j outfitters yes i am and i think i finally figured out what i'm gonna do with that oh all right i'm gonna start i'm start out i'm just gonna sell day hunts i'm either gonna do like either 225 or 250 per day which is more expensive than your average bear um and the reason I'm going to do that is I'm going to continue not shooting and I'm going to advertise smaller groups of hunters. There you go. So I would, I would like my groups to be five or six max, including me. That's not shooting. So if you look around like the Minnesota landscape of waterfowl guides, man, you can really get some good hunts for 150 or $200. So I'm just trying to look at it like, What's not being offered, you know, for yeah, the consumer out there? That's, I mean, you go down south, dude. Like, you go hunt with twenty-five dudes for fucking three hundred seventy-five dollars per day. You know, like the 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 consumer marketplace that we have in Minnesota is so good. But what's not being offered is small hunts where the guide doesn't shoot and the guide's three buddies aren't there. Right. They're, I mean, well, Minnesota guys are cheap, though. You got to keep that in mind. But, um. Minnesota hunters are cheap, I should say. So we do, like, we get those requests in the spring for snow geese where, like, you'll get a group of four or five, and they they request, like, we just want to hunt together. It's like, okay, but that's costing us money. Like, Yeah, we and you can like do it, have, but you just got to charge more. Yeah, exactly, but they're usually not willing to do that. You know, it's like, yeah, listen, so we like to have I'll at have least to... eight people in a field to make our – you know, bottom line, and you want to just hunt four, you you realize you're undercutting our profits today by 50%. <laughs> right, right, right. They don't want to pay more. But, yeah, I mean, if you market it market it that way, they know what they're getting before they get into it. Just just might work. It's just yeah, crazy enough to work, Nick. I feel like there's, a, a from the people I've talked to like what they want in a waterfall hunt when they go to a guided hunt. It's like, you know, I wish these groups were smaller and I wish the guide and his three buddies didn't shoot all the birds. Well, that might change once they realize how shitty they are. And if it wasn't for guides shooting some birds, he'd never leave with one in hand, but dude, get people shoot so shitty. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know they do. You the know, biggest rainout I've ha- I've seen is like eight. Yeah, I mean, what I do, and you can't really expect them to be that great, right? I know, I, I can't speak for like fall hunters, but like spring hunters, you know, some of these people, we get quite a few clients that this is their first time ever snow goose hunting, or not even that, their first time ever waterfall hunting ever. Well, how good do you think they're going to be? Or even people that do it every year, yeah. but that's the only time they pick up their shotgun is that one time a year when they do their annual hunt. Well, how good do you think they're going to be? And how good do they think they're going to be? You know? Right. It's. Yeah. The best I can do in the spring, and I definitely shoot, but I never shoot first. I was just, I wait for that volley and then I play cleanup. Yeah, keep keep telling your clients that. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I can't speak you get a for fucking... any other clients, but. 
or other I'm just guys. messing with you, Dale. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, cut this off. Let's uh, thank our sponsors this week, uh, Dakota Decoys. I'm sorry, I gave you guys a little bit of shit. Shit, uh, <laughs> very, very solid product. Very solid product. Well, I, I, you talked good about Dave Smith. Can we have two decoy sponsors in the same, you know, competing sponsors in the same episode? Yeah, let's do Dive Bomb Fully Flocks as well. Those things are pretty legit for, for silhouettes that land birds and then they the birds realize they fuck up. Um, and the maker of milk jugs do... and uh, black Krylon paint. Black Krylon and milk jugs, buddy. <laughs> All right, man. I'm out of All right, here. get up there. Uh, keep keep smashing. I'm enjoying Snapchats. All right, dude. Talk to you later. Later. Bye. Bye.